we go into the wild blue yonder, climbing high into the sun. It was 98 years ago today when a quartet of Army biplanes took off from what's now Magnuson Park on a first-of-its-kind around-the-world flight. And our resident historian, Felix Bunnell, caught up with a local man who is planning a recreation in a replica that he built himself. Felix is brought to us by Lake Washington Windows and Doors. Good morning, Felix. Morning, Davey. I had an exciting day yesterday in a hangar at Chehalis Centralia Airport. We'll get to that in a moment. First of all, Dave, have you ever seen the monument right out in front of the main entrance to Magnuson Park with the wings on it? Uh, yes, because uh, I've been there several times. Is it an actual plane or what is it? No, it's a little sort of like a little pylon with these sort of uh, probably bronze wings. It's hard to get to on foot. It's right by the highway. It commemorates the 1924 around-the-world flight that left from Sandpoint 98 years ago today. That was before it was a naval air station, but when a very young Boeing company was assembling aircraft there, using a runway, and using Lake Washington for seaplanes. Now, Bob Dempster is 76 and lives in Centralia. Decades ago, he used to ride his bike right past that monument without giving it a second thought. His dad was a commercial pilot, and Bob also learned to fly. He'd first heard about the around-the-world flight when he was a kid back in the 50s. Then in the 1990s, Bob and his wife Diane flew a modern small plane around the world, which is a pretty amazing feat on its own. And somehow or other, maybe call the kind of al- call it alchemy or all the facts and experiences coalesce into a bigger and more historic quest beginning back in 2000. Well, the quest. Um, actually, uh, it just started out as a pretty good idea. And uh, you know how things get out of hand. And so 22 years later, here we are. Uh, the idea was to build a reproduction of the Douglas World Cruiser, the first airplane to fly around the world in 1924 from Seattle. And so we've built a uh, reproduction of the uh, command ship, which was the Seattle. So they had four airplanes, and they were the Seattle, uh, the Chicago, the Boston, and the New Orleans. And so they were christened at Sandpoint. Now, these were four Douglas planes. They weren't Boeing. They were built in Santa Monica by Douglas, the company that Boeing eventually would take over in the 1990s. Back in the 20s, Boeing engineers helped get those Douglas planes ready for the flight. If there was competition, it was friendly. You know, Bill Boeing and Donald Douglas were both personally involved. The planes took off on April 6, 1924, and returned to Seattle in late September. So fast forward to the 21st century, and then Bob and Diane Douglas built a replica that they called the Seattle II. That's actually the sound of its 12-cylinder wow. engine in operation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great sound. Um, it first flew about a decade ago and underwent about 40 hours of test flights with an official test pilot and everything, because it's, it's officially considered an experimental aircraft. It had its formal debut, sort of its, uh, it's, it's coming out back in 2016 for the Boeing Centennial, when Diane Dempster rode along with a test pilot, and they actually circled the Space Needle. It was, it was like two icons meeting, you know. Uh, the, the, and I, can ima- I was thinking when we were going around, I wonder what the people in the Space Needle are thinking, are they running or are they going to the window or are they running away from the window? Because, you know, here's this strange airplane circling them. Here's a quick uh, quick few numbers. The plane represents about a million dollars in time and materials, all told. It's 35 feet long with a 50-foot wingspan, cruises at about 72 miles per hour, and typically flies just a few thousand feet off the ground. It can carry 450 gallons of aviation gas, which gives it roughly eight hours of flying time. So though it's been delayed by the pandemic, like so many things, of course, if all goes according to plan, the next big part of the project will begin exactly one year from today. Next year, on April 6th, would be the 99th, uh, we're shooting for leaving Seattle on floats like the original flight. 
Um, and th what they did was they flew up to Alaska and around to Japan and uh, Shanghai and around to Calcutta. And then they changed the wheels across the Indian and the Middle East to England, floats again for the hop across the top to Boston, wheels back to Seattle. So that's what, and we expect to do the same, uh, same flight. Well, not exactly the same flight, let's hope, because spoiler alert, the original Seattle crashed early in the trip up in the Aleutian uh -oh. Islands uh, in Alaska. <laughs> Now, the pilot, Major Frederick L. Martin, and the mechanic, Sergeant Alva Harvey, they survived, but the plane was destroyed and out in the wilderness, and it took them about 10 days to hike out. That's an amazing story on its own. And that original 1924 trip was covered by famous journalist Lowell Thomas. Um, Thomas's son, also named Lowell, settled in Alaska back in the 50s. In 1967, he led an expedition to recover the wreckage of the lost plane. And he recovered the steering wheel, which he gave to his father as a memento because he was so involved with all the pilots in the original flight. And uh, later on, I, I met with Lowell and told him what I was doing, and he gave me the original steering wheel. So when we fly around the world, I will have on my hands the original steering wheel for the Seattle. So I've got some DNA uh, that's going with us on that flight. So, yeah, it's kind of like picking up the fumbled football and running downfield. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit. You know, he keeps that uh, steering wheel under his pillow, Bob told me. Um, yeah. Now, artifacts are powerful. There's no denying that. Places are, too. Pretty much almost every story I do is about power, place, you know, artifacts in place. Bob's even visited the Alaska crash site himself. In fact, you know, he saw in the tundra where the original Seattle had made a big, long scraping mark. And something like 80 years later when he was there, the land hadn't healed. And while he was there, he, felt, he knelt down and felt something sharp. He dug down, pulled out a piece of the Seattle. He immediately recognized as the throttle quadrant, an important piece of a mechanism that would have been used by that pilot, Frederick Martin. And that's what I was holding in my hand. <clears throat> it's, <laughs> it's still an emotional moment <laughs> to be able to, you know, have that in my hand. Yeah, I really like Bob and Diane. They're my kind of people. Um, but, you know, why do this flight in 2023? Uh, the reasons are similar, Bob says, to what General Mason M. Patrick, the guy in charge 100 years ago, said the reasons were to do that original flight back in 1924. Since the United States um, was the first to fly, we should be the first to fly around the world. So there's a little nationalism, you know, manifest destiny, you know, going on there. But I think it really um, illustrated uh, the idea that... Uh, you know, man is a kind of a restless beast, and he wants to know. And so, you know, uh, what is over the horizon? Uh, you know, that's just not, you know, uh, a dreaming goal. That is what we do. That's why we go to Mars and everything else. And um, so we're explorers by nature. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing about Bob and Diane. Only one visual difference. They added the, the words Thunder Canoe under where it says Seattle 2 on the engine cover. And Thunder Canoe is in Lachutzi. That's what a descendant of Chief Seattle, Ken Workman, that's what he christened the plane, Thunder Canoe, because they didn't have airplanes, of course, 200 years ago. But anyway, it's, it's cool to see that up on the cowling of the aircraft. They're still raising money. I think that flight next year will cost something like $450,000. We'll have links to contribute at My Northwest at also at seattleworldcruiser.org. So just a really interesting, cool couple, and let's wish them the best of luck one year from today when they take off on their around-the-world flight. Wow. At 72 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Takes <Wow>. a while. <laughs> Felix Spinell. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Dave. All of Felix's reports are at mynorthwest.com.